Before he sent the 12 disciples out to do God's work in the world, Jesus described for them what success in ministry will look like. They will hand you over to councils and flog you in the synagogues. You will be dragged before governors and kings. Brother will betray brother, a father, his child. Children will rise against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. The vision that Jesus gives us for success in ministry is not one of achievement, of victory, of celebration, but one of suffering and betrayal and death. The standard of success that Jesus provides for his followers is not measured in sermons preached, in miracles worked, in souls saved, but in whether his followers will stick it out and persevere to the end. What it means for followers of Jesus to be faithful as vessels through which God's reign comes to the earth is to carry on in the face of great hardship, even if that means that we will die. And for us, there is no other way to measure whether we are faithful as followers of Jesus. But is it worth it? In an era in which people who claim to follow Jesus are, for the most part, not persecuted but promoted, should any of us really have to suffer or even die for the sake of the gospel? We believe that God loves everyone regardless of their religion or even if they have none. So why would any of us need to risk all that we've got in order to share our particular brand of faith with someone? How good must this good news be if we're willing to risk everything in order to give it away? Along the wood-paneled walls of the chapel at Ridley Hall Theological College, where I studied in Cambridge, there are plaques. Each has the name and dates of a clergyman or bishop who served as an evangelist or missionary on behalf of the college and the wider church. They went to places like Southern Africa and East Asia and South America, and when they went, they never expected to come back. Those were terminal assignments. They accepted the call to leave their homes in England and go to places where they could spread the hope of the gospel to those who hadn't yet heard it. And when they went, they knew that it would be the last place they saw. They believed that sharing the gospel was worth the hardship that came with those assignments, even knowing that that hardship would cost them their lives. Thankfully, We've come a long way since the gospel was propagated primarily through colonial or imperial means. But because since then, and in part due to those efforts, Christianity has become enmeshed with the domination systems of contemporary society, we have also lost the good and holy sense of why the gospel is worth dying for. 
Nowadays, when a preacher calls on a congregation to embrace suffering and death for the sake of Jesus, it hardly ever comes as a pure invitation. At best, such exhortations are hyperbolic claims designed to whip up a sense of frenzy among the faithful. Worse still are those who reject the advice of public health officials and tell their congregations that real believers are protected by the blood of Jesus and that they would rather die than wear a mask or take a vaccine. But most heinous of all are those who, in the name of religion, urge their followers to commit suicidal acts of terrorist violence in order that by hurting or killing others, they might somehow advance their cause. There is nothing holy or righteous about that kind of perversion of our faith or any religion. And yet, Jesus dies. And in his death, he sets an example for us to follow. How are we supposed to make sense of that? In the waters of baptism, all of us have claimed or had claimed on our behalf that we go to die with Christ in order that we might be raised to the new life of grace. Do we believe those words or are they just empty theological yada yada? In a world in which the call to sacrifice one's life is almost always misappropriated by preachers like me, how are we supposed to make sense of the teaching that Jesus offers us that any who follow him must lay down their life and take up their cross? That the only measure of discipleship is enduring to an end that means suffering, betrayal, and death. The Apostle Paul our church's patron saint, whose conversion we celebrate today, has something to teach us about the nature of self-sacrificing love. Paul knew what it meant to give up everything he had for the sake of Jesus. While facing execution, Paul wrote in his letter to the Philippians that his own suffering had somehow served to advance the gospel and that the chains he wore, he wore for the sake of Christ. Having lost his freedom and now likely to lose his life, Paul recognized that his faithful persistence in the face of suffering and death was the strongest tool he had to show others about the way of Jesus. What sort of way is that we claim? Well, back when Jesus met Paul on the Damascus Road, Christ literally stopped Paul in his tracks. Up to that point, the future apostle to the Gentiles had devoted his life zealously to defending Judaism. But Christ showed Paul that God's love has no ethnic bounds. Paul was on his way to arrest followers of Jesus who were interfering with the way of God's people but Christ blinded Paul in that heavenly vision and in that blindness showed him a new way of understanding how God loves the world. Because of the cross of Christ, there is no longer any Jew or Greek, male or female, slave or free. God's love belongs to all people 
without any distinction of who those people are. And that was good news, so wonderful and radical that Paul was willing to give up his life to share that love with the world. That means that Paul didn't endure imprisonment and beatings and even death in order to show the world some narrow path to salvation, but to help the world see just how broad God's unlimited love really is. That's the gospel. The good news of God's unconditional, nonpartisan, nonsectarian love for everyone. And that's the kind of love that Paul was willing to give up his life for, even to die for that love. The call we hear to give up our lives, whether that means literal death or more likely the complete reorientation of all we have and all we are, that call can only be holy if it is a call to extend grace and love to all people without discrimination. There can be no qualification or equivocation. There's no room for they're in, but they're not. Or else that sacrifice becomes an effort of self-servance. The only belief worth dying for is the belief that no one gets left out. And that is what God accomplishes on the cross in Jesus' outstretched arms. The cross is where all people come within the saving embrace of the God who loves us. But Paul also knew that that love will never make sense to us unless we die to get it. As long as we approach God still clinging to some part of our particular identity, there will always be that part of us that doesn't fully believe that God's love is a free and complete gift. Because we are human, until we die with Christ, there will always be a piece of us that thinks God loves us because of who we are. Because we're good people. Because we're nice people because we love our neighbors as ourselves, because we go to church, because we say our prayers, because we are Episcopalians, because we are Christians. But if there's even the tiniest part of us that believes that God will only love us because of who we are and not absolutely and unequivocally because of who God is, and we will never be able to trust in God's love because that part of us will always be a doubt that when it really matters, we won't be good enough. We aren't good enough. None of us is good enough for God's love, and yet God loves us. That is the beauty of the gospel. That's what Paul heard on that Damascus road. The love we receive depends not on us, on who we are or what we do or what we think or believe. It depends on God, on who God is, the one who loves us first, completely and perfectly. In order for us to believe in that love and lean on that grace, we must die. And that is why 
our endurance to the end, even to our own death, is the only measure of faithfulness that matters. We follow Jesus, not by doing more, but by doing less, even nothing, so that God might do wonderful things through us. We become vessels for God's reign by emptying ourselves out so that God might use us to pour God's love onto the earth. God's love belongs to all people. And once we get out of our own way, that love can take hold of our lives. But that kind of letting go means trusting that we aren't in control of whether we are loved. And that's hard. It's hard to let go like that. It's hard to believe that there's nothing we can do to make ourselves any more lovable. That kind of hard work is a great struggle. But by enduring to the end, to that place where only God's love remains, we will be saved. Thanks be to God. Amen.